Warning, the following audio transmission is based on theory and is intended for entertainment purposes only. It's Doomsday and its affiliates will not be held liable for anything your dumbass does. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome everybody to It's Doomsday Podcast. Today is Sunday, February 20th. Time is 1700 hours. Joining me tonight is Al, a.k.a. Big Daddy Prep. And How you doing today, Jesse? Oh, I'm doing great. And as a special treat, we have Codename Grizz joining us for this episode as well. What's going on? <laughs> so, uh, guys, uh, tonight's episode, It's uh, Doomsday Guns Part 2. Um, I'm hoping we could wrap this up in a second part series, although we all know we could talk about guns for forever. Like, <laughs> forever. Forever. Um, and before we get in really tear into this episode tonight, I have to address something that I heard about a week ago. Someone came to me and told me that we weren't doing enough with this podcast, that sitting around and talking about Doomsday and not physically doing anything to help anybody is not a good thing. In my rebuttal to this individual, I'm not going to mention names, but my rebuttal is this. We're reaching people in about 30 different countries. People all over the world are prepping and we're helping them. That's a lot more than you're doing within your community. You might get 50, 60 people on board with your cause and you might get them to start prepping and get them prepared. But we are reaching thousands of people across the globe. So in my opinion, I think we're doing a good job. Just throwing that out there to everybody. Yeah. Um, and I did have I did have an email that came in. I'm not going to mention the user's last name uh, because he didn't give me permission. But he started getting into uh, what we were talking about on the last episode. Apparently, this listener has a sub 2000 and absolutely loves it. And I guess he used his argument for Glocks and got his old man on board um, with uh, going and picking up a couple of Glocks. So that's kind of exciting. I think we're doing some good job there, guys. I love listener we're feedback. We're doing good. Yep, we're doing Love good. listener feedback. Um, he also says in here that his long-range rifle's choice is the 6.5 Creedmoor, which is something I've been wanting as that well. That is a good – I've shot it before. Yes. It's, dude, it's smooth for what it is. Yeah. I kind of want You can nice. reach out. You can reach yes. out a good distance. All right. Yep. So when we uh, – and he also prefers to carry the 42, you know, that's, that's my preferred is the 40 S&W. But moving on, uh, we left off on – is there a federal regulation ruler law about the amount of ammo you could store? Hey preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. Jester, I checked into that, and I can't find a federal regulation. I've looked everywhere. I've seen state different things about buying ammo across the states in different states, different regulations they have. But as far as federally, how much you have, I can't find anything. And I've looked everywhere. Yeah, I've never seen anything either. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think that there is a rule or regulation. I do know, though. For example, like if you're ordering online, for example, it's a lot easier to catch. If you're ordering so much, you can end up on a watch list. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I believe I'm there. I believe me and you are on the list together somewhere there. <laughs> oh, I'm probably there because yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, with that being said, that I do know a couple things. California has a lot of goofy rules. New York has a lot of goofy rules. I think that in some areas around the country, in certain jurisdictions, you have magazine capacity regulations. Yes. Um, and I and I do believe, depending on where you're at, some areas might limit the amount of ammunition you could carry with a firearm. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have 10,000 rounds of like 5.56 five, without an AR because it's not illegal to transport the ammo um, through these places. But I think they have regulations like if you have a specific caliber firearm, I think they regulate the amount of ammo that's allowed to go with that. Um, yes. Even the TSA oh. has a regulation on the amount of ammo that you're allowed to travel with, but it's a pretty high number. Right. And just for a lot of private companies, stores, and even areas have, uh, like a city might have an ordinance, you can only buy five boxes of ammunition in a 24-hour period. There's all kind of goofy little laws and rules and city ordinances all over the place. And if you, if you sit down and look at them all day, you can, read, you can do seven shows just on those because some of them are goofy. But as far as federally, most most states and federal don't say how much you can possess. They might say how much you can buy today, but not necessarily possess. Right, exactly. And just on firearms news in general, since we're doing a, a gun-related episode today, I don't know if you caught uh, the lawsuit against Remington. Did you catch that out? Yes. With the Sandy Hook shooting, yes, absolutely. Right. Um so what ended up happening with that is, for those of you that don't know, the uh, the families of Sandy Hook, the victims' families, sued Remington, and Remington settled with the families, giving them seventy three million dollars. Which honestly, I think is bullshit. It it is absolutely bullshit. yes. Now they you should may have be never thinking, been able. They right. should have never been able to allowed to have sued the firearms manufacturer that's like saying the tire that's on the car that i have comes off the tire off the car and kills somebody in the lane next to me so you could sue the tire company that's that's crazy that makes no I'm sense i'm gonna sue a silverware making company for making me fat i mean how much there you go there you make? go hey the refrigerator <laughs> company for you know keeping the i stuff spelled cold that word and, wrong i'm suing yeah. uh, uh zebra yeah. pens <laughs> right 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 absolutely that's what it's opening up right there so, yeah, so basically what this is doing is this is opening up a doorway that's going to allow gun manufacturers around the world to start getting attacked, especially in the U.S. Yeah. And one thing we're seeing with this is human accountability is going out the window. Um, I think that if they're going to go this route, they should effectively go back and sue Glock as well, because if the gentleman didn't take his own life with a Glock, he could have withstood trial. So we need to, we need right. to sue Glock for allowing him to take his own life too. If that's the logic we're going to put out there, let's put that out there. And without getting into the court case too much and everything else, I could, I could tell you what, I am not buying Remington products from here on out because Remington didn't fight back. They settled. Remington yes. was not responsible for that at all. If that was an individual human that did what they did. That should have never been a thing. If you should have went after anybody at all, you should have went after this gentleman's mental health care provider. And then you shouldn't have stopped there. You should have went after the school because, Hey, 
if you're paying taxes for your children to go to a government institution, they should be providing a level of protection to those kids. Agreed. Period. I, I agree totally. Protected. I agree. They should have sued that officer for running away like a little puss instead of doing his job correctly. I, no I offense to any Leos out there, but hey, not all Leos are you know good ones. I agree that's, with you, a hundred percent. Because Remington has opened up. Remington themselves, I mean, the other gun manufacturers should be absolutely just just totally pissed off at Remington because Remington has now opened every one of them up, not only in this country, but in other countries to litigation right here in the U.S. Maybe not in a foreign country, but here. Any firearm manufacturer from now on that's used in any crime is now open to litigation. And it doesn't make any difference if it's a mass shooting, a single shooting, an accidental uh, shooting here. You just say you just shoot yourself by cleaning your gun. Now the gun manufacturer is liable for some sort of physical damage to you. So they, they've opened, Remington's opened up a box of worms that they're never going to be able to close again. Oh, yeah. That's... You guys remember 8 Mile, that movie? Yeah. Yes. Cheddar Bob should have sued that revolver. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. It's it's just something that doesn't make any sense. Um, and, you know, after, after last week's episode, we covered a lot of on last week's episode. It was a really good show. We covered a lot in realms of the firearms uh, safety and training and, and things, you know, to do. And Grizz and I were having some conversations about this today. It, and the one thing that struck me that we were talking about last week, Al, we were talking about don't let it sit on a shelf. You know, don't right. let it sit on the shelf. Get out there and start utilizing the thing. And I'm seeing the shootings, the accidents, everything else. I would highly recommend to our listeners to start doing whatever training you can. Go to an approved course, get with certified instructors, and start doing this training immediately, if not sooner. Um, any Anything that you could do. Any, your sheriff's office might offer something. There might be different training programs in your areas. I And I also know that there's a lot of SIM companies uh, scattered throughout the country to where you go in there with SIM rounds and they teach you how to defend yourself in an active shooter situation, home invasions. And um, they have like different settings set up within office buildings, things like this. These are good training courses to go get now while you can. I agree. I There's agree. actually a drill you can do. Um, you can order the targets on Amazon. It's called the dot torture training shooting drill. What it is, is um, you got 10 dots, right? So you got one at the top and the rest are arranged towards the bottom. Dot one, it'll have you draw. You'll do five shots, slow fire, and then, um, you know, set your firearm down or holster it, whatever. Dot two, you might do draw and do one shot. Dot three, you'll do draw one or two shots. It's Each number is a different thing. It'll have you draw. It'll do rapid fire, slow fire. It rotates. It might have you drop a mag and reload, but it gives you that muscle memory of, oh, hey, I'm empty now. You know, reload in a matter of right. a second, two seconds. You know, it's just a good drill to right. do. I've done it a few times, and so you went, I'm not as quick as I thought I was, <laughs> but it's helping me. Well, Grizz, it goes back to this whole thing where it goes back to you're going to react to the situation the way you train. If you don't train, then when a situation comes, chances are you're not going to react at all or you're right. going to, if you don't know your weapon, you, you, I see so many people, they look at TV, they look at the movies, they think, well, you just keep shooting, there's got to be bullets, I still got a gun, there's bullets, it's sort of like having a checkbook and thinking you still got money in the bank. 
It's funny because when I see a movie or a show, I'll sit here and count the shots. <laughs> right. I do too. I've I've been doing that for years. I'm like, my God, how many did that hold? Like a million rounds? I'm not sure how much. I mean, I want one of those. But but it's this reality of people that don't know weapons need to learn their weapon. And I don't insult anybody for their weapon because it maybe that's all they can afford. And I always say a gun is better than no gun. I don't care what it is. Maybe it's not what you and I chose. Maybe it's not the best, but a weapon is better than no weapon. And learning how to use that weapon makes you better than someone with a high dollar weapon that's never touched it. I mean, you can learn to use that cheap old shotgun to protect yourself. And there could be a guy with a $5,000 revolver sitting in his car, doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't know if it's loaded, doesn't know how to, doesn't know anything mm -hmm. about it. You're still going to be better off. Except if it's a high point. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I agree. They're making now, good, you know, I, I do agree with knowing your weapon, though. Uh, um, no, you got you to gotta know your weapon. I, I, we were talking about this earlier in the truck, how I – my main carry weapon, I you could blindfold me and I will take it apart, clean it, and put it back together. There you go. I mean, even even doing stuff like that, knowing the anatomy of your weapon and pitch black can save your life, really. I mean, if you got a clear jam, if it could be anything. Right. And having proper training, you know, I, I was lucky enough. I was trained well. I already do guns. I never had BB guns as a child. My father, my wife and I were talking about this earlier today. Ironically, I didn't have BB guns as a child because my dad lost an eye to a BB gun when he was a child. So he didn't let us have BB guns. So I went immediately. So no, no Red Rider, huh? No, no Red Rider at all. I went from <laughs> cap guns to the real thing. So I never had that point and shoot at somebody and shoot a BB and think, I, you know, I saw people do that my whole life, and I didn't like that idea. So when I went to real guns, I, gun safety has always been my paramount thing. That's what ended up getting me to become a firearms instructor because I took safety seriously. And I still do, but it doesn't make a difference if it's on a range or in a real life. Safety of a firearm is paramount, you know. These things will kill you. Mm -hmm. I agree. So one thing I, I do want to address, too, uh, because we're on, the, we're on the subject of this, you know, Guys, having your weapons readily accessible, there are stories all the times where people, you know, get killed, this, that, the other, that have access to a firearm, but it's not readily accessible. Um, this is a big problem I think we all need to address. If, if you're carrying it for defensive purposes, you need to be able to have it there if you need it there. Um, there are people that have their guns taken off of them and they have their weapons used against them. So this, this is a big deal, too. I tell my wife all the time, like, my wife has a gun on her all the time, but it's never in an accessible area. And I'm, I keep telling her, you need to carry this on your person. You have a concealed weapons permit. You need to be utilizing that. Like, stop screwing around. If somebody comes up to your car or they try to kidnap your ass early in the morning when you're opening up the store, you know, you're not going to have that gun. And you can't say, hey, bad guy, give me a second. I got to go get my gun. That's not right. how that's going right. to work. Or, hey, bad guy, let right. me call the police first. <laughs> yeah, like that's not going to work that way. Right. I hear that all the time. Well, Just call the police. Well, we're very lucky in Arkansas. We have a lot of open carry. We have a lot of, you know, it doesn't make a difference if you have a concealed carry or not. Very open carry here in the state. And I actually have a restaurant in an area that I work a lot at. They encourage their customers to open carry. They have a, a big piece of paper on the front door that says, we encourage open carry. Feel free to carry your firearm. Just be, do it safely. And the girls that work in there all carry firearms. So it's the place I eat. I go past other places to go there to eat because 
I kind of like that, and I want to encourage people to you do support that. that. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I, I'll, I'll go there. I don't care. I, I told him one day, I don't care what lunch cost. I'd rather spend it with you than spend it with somebody else in one of these big boxes that, well, disarm their customers. You're not allowed to bring firearms in, so that's where I spend my money. Absolutely. I agree with that. One thing we need to get into that we, we didn't talk about last week. Uh, we, we tarted, we talked a little bit about like, um, the firearms that are the common calibers, things you find, but I really wanted to get into what are you going to find laying around in doomsday? What are you going to, what rounds are you going to stumble across the most in the apocalypse? Cause I think that's going to be a lot of people's jurisdicting factors for what firearms they're purchasing. So I definitely wanted to get into that. And Absolutely. this is, this is more, I want you guys to know, this is more of an opinion-based thing than a fact-based thing. Um, because given your area, given the type of people you're around. Given sales. Sales, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot. So, Al, what do you, let's start with you, Al. What do you think would be the most common rounds you would find? Well, here where we're at in northeast Arkansas and in this area here where it's a huge hunter's Hunter's Paradise, whether it be duck hunting and deer hunting, whatever, a lot of 12 gauge. 12 gauge is going to be the most common thing you're going to have laying around everywhere. Everybody here has a 12 gauge of some sorts. So you're definitely going to have a lot of that. Uh, a lot of people here prefer a 9 millimeter. Some prefer 40 cal. And of course, your regular AR platform, um, 7.62 by 51. Uh, it's going to be common around here where I'm a, I'm an AK man, so I'm a 7.62 by 39. So, yeah, there's some of that here, but not as common. But your AR platform, 308, uh, 12-gauge, 9-millimeter is probably going to be the most common, some 40 cal. Now, when you start getting into a lot of exotics, uh, you know, there is some 38 ammo here that you'd probably find fairly common with uh, – different police departments, security, things like that. But the common person here, 12 gauge and nine millimeter, I'd say all day. Right. And, and I think, uh, with, with how I grew up, I think the num everybody in their uncle has a 30 odd six, right? Yes. I think 30 odd six is definitely a round You're going to come across a lot as a preferred route for deer hunting. Um, another rifle round I would say, I think would be common to come across is the 30, 30. I think that's a lot of people have that, uh, especially in your oh, yeah. thicker, thicker brushed underbrushed <clears throat> regions. Yep. Um, and then moving outside of the, the hunting calibers, I, I think that, you know, the AR, AR 15, the five, five, six NATO, I think you're pretty much see, any NATO round, right? Any NATO round, any mm -hmm. two, two, three, I think is going to be common getting into the seven, six, two. I think the seven, six, two by 39, the traditional AK 47 and SKS round is going to be something that's going to be very, very common to find. Oh, yeah. Um, that, yeah. That's a that's a round that was Because it's still cheap. relatively cheap, even now. Right. It's still right. cheap now. But then if you go back into the 90s or, or 2000s, um, outside of that spiel where Clinton had his gun ban, I mean, you could still get the ammo. Um, right. But the thing is, is that it was so cheap and you could buy it in bulk at such a cheap price. I think there's probably hordes of it around the country. Yep. So that's something too. Uh, something else I think you're going to see, like Al mentioned, you're going to end up seeing the 12 gauge a lot. I think 20 gauge is going to second that. I think as far as uh, a handgun and rifle caliber, I think you're going to find 22 LR absolutely everywhere. You know yes. what I actually Everybody's see a lot where, like where I'm at, I see a lot of, believe it or not, uh, 17 HMR. Right. That's um, good. That's getting to be a pretty common one. Yeah. 17 HMR. And then just to like, I won't go into it, but like, 
to hunt rounds a little bit, I see a lot of 243 and 270 out where I'm at. It's right. huge I got out you. there. Yep. Um, yeah. so you're going to, you, as far as handgun rounds, I think that, I think nine mil is going to be number one on yeah, the list that you're going to find. That's why I always recommend if somebody's per- picking up a sidearm for the apocalypse, I always recommend nine mil because you're good. You're yep. going to find it. Second to that, I think is going to be the 45 ACP third to that, I think is going to be the 40 S and W. And then it's, it's kind of a trickle down effect from there with calibers. I think the yep. next one you're going to see is going to be the 380 and so on and so forth. Yeah. Like 380, 44, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, a lot of older folks tend to get revolvers too. I've noticed. Yep. Yeah, that's true. The thirty-eight, too. the three, the thirty-eight, and the three fifty-seven are probably going to be the most common that they're going to have. You know, if they've had them for twenty or thirty years, that's probably the most common around here. Would be they had know, daddy's gun or something, right? Right, yeah. right, right. It's, it's just the stuck back gun, you know. That's the one you got to watch out for because it's that's the one they've got that you don't know who they've got, you know. Oh, that's right. Back before there were serial numbers. <laughs> right, 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 right. But the 12 gauge is going to be a devastating thing because everybody's got 12 gauges common, believe it or not, common to most people's belief. You could take a 12 gauge round and a lot of things could happen to them and they're still good. And other rounds don't make it through bad conditions like 12 gauges seem to do. I've seen 12 gauge rounds have been buried in the ground. People picked them up, shoved in their gun, and they fired. And I, I couldn't even believe that would even happen, but it does. But so they they last a long time. That's scary. You got to have some balls to do that. Yep. Um, yep. So I've seen it. So the other thing I wanted to get into uh, as well is you know as people are trying to pick out their firearms choices, what are the best things to pick up? Like what type of rifles and and handguns do you guys want to buy? And you guys brought up the revolver. I mean, it, there's nothing more reliable than that. Um, no downfall is when it comes to caliber you're going to find is going to be nine mil they do sell nine millimeter revolvers Mm -hmm. they are in existence i would like to point out since you know we are talking about having a weapon that can fire multiple calibers is always beneficial i mean especially in this kind of scenario right but and not everybody's a fan of taurus i know jester's not some of us don't really care i don't mind the revolvers but they make one it shoots um, 357 and 38 it has a cylinder for that, and then it has a separate cylinder that you can swap out and shoot nine mil out of it. So it's three calibers you can get out of one firearm. I I've heard of that before. Mm-hmm. Which is is not it's that's not a bad thing for an apocalyptic scenario at all, right? Um, yeah. when it conserves co- weight, and then when we talk about you know how we talked about last week with the Glocks. You know the Glocks are a good, reliable, you know, trusty built firearm as it is. And then we talked about the idea that. A lot of parts are interchangeable, so that's definitely a good one, like we said last week. But then when we get into rifles, um, this this is just me. If I'm buying something for the apocalypse and long-term use, I like bolt-action rifles. Um, that's that's just where I'm at. Bolt-actions are reliable. Kind of like a good shotgun. It's hard to screw up. Right. It, to build yeah. One. yeah, it's right. it's you're not going to have too many issues go wrong with a well-made bolt-action rifle. If you're getting like an off-brand cheapo one... You might have some issues, but a good, well-made one, that thing should outlast you. You know, you're a fan of bolt action, but for, you know, the same reasons, I prefer my lever actions. I mean, that thing's going to outlive me. I mean, it's, it's a Marlin, you know, it's a well-made one. It's a 30-30, so I'm going to be able to hit anything I want to hit, you know? Right. I just, I look I look at the, uh, the bolt action side of this, it's just there's less moving parts, yeah. right? There's just less that could go wrong. Um, not to say that nothing could break down or go wrong, but I think there's just 
a less likely the hillbilly. Raspberry parts are better. And then right. my, my true hillbilly side is going to come out with this next one is uh, break open shotguns, man. Double barrels. Oh, there's, I got one. There's, there's yeah. nothing that could go wrong. <laughs> no, I can neither confirm nor deny that I may have or know of one, wink, wink, that's cut down. The stock is cut. Yeah, it's a stagecoach gun. That's all it is. <laughs> you could stop well, winking at I, me now. <laughs> and actually, to be honest with you, they're very hard to find now. If you go out and try to find a good break open shotgun, uh, especially at a pawn shop, anything in the, in the area that I'm in, anywhere within 100 miles of here, one, you're probably not going to find them, and two, and if you do, you could buy It'd be a ridiculous price. Uh, yes, yeah, ridiculous. So, like, I mean, uh, what Christensen them, is like what two grand plus? Oh yeah, they're they're very high. And and the thing is, my my take on the apocalypse is this: that there's going to be a lot of shooting in the very beginning, but afterwards, there's not going to be near as much shooting. Because here's the point. Those that are going to do the shooting will will have established themselves, and those that were stupid enough to get shot are going to be gone. So, their firearms are going to be used a whole lot less after the initial, let's say, thirty days. What's left, people are going to hoard up, and they're going to use very sparingly because they don't want to have to use up what they have. They never know what's coming down the pipe. So if you can lay low long enough for the first initial 30 days or whatever it might be, you might be sitting in a good position. You know, I used to think, too, uh, when something initially happens, you're going to have so many idiots like, oh, I got to take this and that. Let's go to war and just, you know, all the people that just want to jump and shoot right when something happens. You're pretty. You'll after that. You'll probably pretty much be able to walk around and pick ammo up off the ground because all the idiots are going to kill themselves. Right. Kill well, the other. idiots will be dead. <laughs> yeah, the idiots yeah. will be dead. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and yeah, the, what they don't just you know blow off for no reason. They'll be laying around. You'll be able to pick it up. And, yeah. Yeah. That's you know that's a good point. I you know I always rec my recommendation for people is you know try to not go anywhere for the first ninety days. That's gonna it's gonna weed out a lot of people. It's gonna weed out a lot of problems. The longer you could remain stationary after shit hits the fan, the higher your your the better your likelihood of survival is gonna go up. People in the first thirty days, they're gonna be going nuts. They're gonna be scavenging stores. They're gonna be going crazy. Uh, after sixty days, you know, into that after that thirty to that sixty day period, I feel that people are actively gonna start doing a lot of crazy, stupid shit, trying to get shit that they don't have food food supplies, toilet paper, whatever it is, bottled water, whatever they could get. And then I think that 60 to 90 people are going to have enough and they're just going to start killing each other off. And yep. depending on what the government's doing is going to really push the envelope for how quickly it would take place. If you have a government that shows that it's not in power anymore and they're not helping the citizens anymore, citizens are going to take matters into their own hands. It's that simple. Um, it's not rocket science. You apply a little bit of logic to this, you could figure this out. Um, the, so another thing I really wanted to get into when we were talking about this is, you know, if you're if you're trying to do this on a budget, a lot of people have the question of how many, how much ammo should I stock, right? And and this is a very very hard one for me to decipher. Uh, it's it's kind of the question: Well, how many nails does it take to build a house, right? Right. How much? How much gas do I need Son to stock? It's it's kind of all over the place. Just had some crawling on my leg. <laughs> so, I try to tell people like this: the gun you're going to utilize the most is the one you want to stock the most ammo for. For me, it's the 22 LR, so I'm stocking as much 22 LR as I can. 
because that's going to be used as a tool for many different many different things, not just defensive purposes, but also it's going to be used to put food on the table. When it comes to you know stocking ammo for things like AR-15s and sidearms and stuff like that, having ammunition is good. Stocking 10,000 rounds is excessive. The reason why I say that's excessive is because the likelihood of you surviving multiple firefights is, as time goes on throughout the apocalypse, I mean, it, it's statistically firefights don't last long. They're right. very short and quick. Um, well, I mean, I, I would like to point out on, on that note, the whole point of bugging out, most people for Doomsday, they're bugging out. They have a bug out bag. They have a go vehicle. They have a go bag, whatever you want to call it. The whole point of that bugging out is to escape and evade, not to be able to go through a firefight or come up on somebody and try to take over their shit. Mm -hmm. Is to avoid people, right. avoid everything that you possibly can and just get to a safe location. So having all this ammo, I agree to go to war. You're an idiot because, I mean, if you got three, four people, you're, you're going to lose. I mean, you're by yourself. Now, when I it comes agree. to when it comes to hunting calibers like Weapons that you're going to utilize primarily to feed your family and to go hunt, I would say stock up on those calibers the most. Yeah, um, I agree. If you have a thousand rounds of nine mil, I think you're going to do just fine. I don't think you're going to be at the point where you're getting into enough firefights to where you're going to need more than a thousand rounds, right? Um, for something like the five five six or two two three, that's more versatile that could be used for hunting purposes and defensive purposes. Maybe you go a little bit higher with that, right? People don't realize how heavy ammunition is, Jester. You know they they want to have eighteen magazines, thirty round magazines, and they want to they want to carry. Do you does the common person that doesn't do this on a regular basis do they have an idea of how heavy eighteen magazines, the thirty rounds are? I mean, if they don't, they need to get an idea real quick because it's very heavy. Ammunition is heavy. Bugging out with a lot of ammunition is not the idea bugging in with a lot of ammunition is one thing uh, bugging out is a whole different one and i don't believe most people that are bugging out are going to be able to frankly carry what they think they're going to need they're going to end up leaving it behind and that's where other people are going to sweep in and sweep it up yeah that, that's a good point and a lot of people ask and i see this question it's a very common question well, how much ammo should i carry on my person right and I, I could tell you what, on, on most of my details I worked, I carried one full magazine with one in the chamber on my sidearm, and then I carried two backup mags, okay? Right. The, the only time I ever carried extra magazines is when I was in a scenario where we thought there could be an active shooter situation, okay, to where we were working like with crowds and, and things like events where there could be something that goes yeah. wrong. Because it, at that point, you don't know if you're dealing with one shooter, multiple shooters, it, you know, trying to get a clean shot. It, who knows? So I, on those details, I would carry four backup mags instead of the normal two. Um, honestly, on details where you're, you know, utilizing an AR-15, having one mag in your AR-15 and three backups is plenty. You're not going to need more than that. I wouldn't right. imagine anyway, especially with being able to take precision shots. I think you'll be just fine. And as long as you're not doing anything dumb to waste ammo, I think you're going to be fine. When it comes to the bugging out scenario, uh, you know, with like a 22 LR, you take whatever you want. 22 is light. You want to take 500 rounds, take 500 I mean, rounds. really, with 22, you could take 1,000 rounds with you in your bag, and it doesn't take up much space either. And yeah. you're set, you know. 
Right. Well, the, the um, day that I purchased my my AK, I went and bought my AK the day the day I purchased it. I bought it from from a from a shop. When I got it, I went and that day I I procured myself five good magazines, non polymer metal magazines. That day I went a, what a thousand rounds of ammunition, and I felt good, good, good right then. Because if I bought something extra and added to it, that was fine. But that day I made sure I had what I thought I needed if times got bad. And that tells you how much I bought of that right there. So <laughs> buying 1,800 magazines is not going to do you any good, you know. Hey, preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. Right, and I mean, I could, I could, like, I have a set number of magazines for everything that I have. I have a certain number for handguns, I have a certain number for rifles that I try to stick to a rule. And it's only because if you don't have time to reload these mags, they're already ready to go. Right. Um, now Grizz and I were actually talking about earlier how it's not recommended to keep your ammo in your mags all the time, fully with the springs fully compressed due to corrosion, things like that. Uh, the the it's going to break down your spring. Yeah, it's going to break down the springs, and then you might not get proper cycling within your weapon. Um, so it it is recommended that you it is recommended that you do not have these magazines fully loaded down with ammunition in them all the time, sitting there for years. It, it is good to keep a couple loaded in case you need them and then have a couple that are unloaded so the spring's not remaining constantly stressed. Well, see, like right. on that, like with mine, or with my Glock, I'll have maybe three loaded, but I have like six or seven more just because, I mean, if they're cheap, I'm going to pick it up, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but I'll rotate them out. So I'm not always keeping the same magazine fully compressed and loaded. Because, yeah, I mean, you, you can't eventually screw up that spring that way. You know, they're right. not meant to stay compressed 100% all the time. Uh, they're Naturally, a spring wants to expand. Right. So I rotate them out a lot, actually. Gotcha. Good information. Um, and I, so to, to, also having one. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to say magazines that you can work on, too. Some of them are sealed and you can't work on them. And, you know, I was bought, yes. always bought the kind that I could work on if I had to, so. Oh, absolutely. And Al, I know before we continue to on, I know you had some show notes and stuff pulled up and some stuff you wanted to get into. Do we want to get into that now? Ah, well, go ahead. Well, this is this is going good. We might end up in a third for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, we, we might have to do that because we only have about 10 minutes left uh, in, in right. time here. So, yeah, we might have to do that. We might have to end up doing a third part on this, and I'm good with that because there's so many, there's so much left to Even be uncovered. Even if the third part's a shorter episode, just to finish it up, right? Yeah. That's yeah, that's totally fine. Uh, no. The the next thing I really wanted to get into as well uh, is the gun maintenance side of this, guys. You gotta don't neglect your firearms. We talked about leaving them on the shelf and not being proficient with them, but the idea of the maintenance side of this, you know, if you're stocking up on guns and ammunition. You need to be stocking up on gun cleaning oils, learning the alternative for gun cleaning oils, keeping brushes, keeping your, your patches to clean with, you know, that those kind of things are things you're going to need. I got one for you. And I haven't tested this myself, but it's an alternative to gun oil. And this is just, 
one of those things I've heard. Maybe Al's heard of it, but people using graphite like from a pencil to I've heard certain of parts. We had spray graphite in a factory I worked at. It's very dirty and it's very gritty, but it does for a long period of time and it does not wash off easily. That's right. that is absolutely a fact. But I wouldn't use it unless I had to. But yeah, I've seen people pinch, pull I mean. AKs up that have been buried in trees for you know, and just pour mold oil on them, cycle them, and then take off fire. And so it depends on the weapon itself. But keeping a good, clean, operational weapon, I mean that you you can't be any more bedrock on your preps than that right there. Making sure that your weapons are, you, it doesn't make any difference how many preps you have if you can't properly secure them and make sure that you keep them, and someone else doesn't take them from you you've not provided the right kind of security and the security starts off first with your firearms, things we can't talk on. Having operational equipment. Yeah. Right. Right. I also have a a gun cleaner for you in a pinch. If you don't have, you know, oil shaving cream, you can use shaving Shaving cream. cream. I've never tried that one. I've done that one. I was just going to ask you, Al, if you ever tried that, I haven't tried that yet. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to actually do some research into that before next week's episode. Because I'm really curious about yeah. that. I've done that one. It'll right. actually, you got to let it sit for a little bit, but it'll actually lift some of the carbon up off your weapon. Now, I can tell you well, this I'll much, though, it. about the, I, I can tell you this much as about the graphite, though. They do sell powder graphite lubricant. I used to use it when I was back in the Boy Scouts. We used to use this for the Pinewood Derby cars. That's how we would lubricate mm-hmm. our, our little axles and our little wheels with, we would use this like powdered graphite mm-hmm. in a tube. Um, and it works really white well. lithium grease. You can get that for, two three bucks at an auto parts store yeah, no, there's, walmart yeah. there there's a lot more you could do in a pinch i mean if it's doomsday and you're just trying to survive mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot of other things you could utilize you know as far as lubricants and stuff like that if it's utter survival the things that they don't recommend using you might just have to use so don't right you know don't bury these things down and be like i'm never going to do that if it's doomsday and you got to like throw some vaseline on a bolt to get that weapon to start firing again you got to do what you got to do man like that's right, that just is what it is. You're not gonna have well, I can't hold on, hold on for the gunfight. I gotta go clean my weapon. You're not gonna be able to do that. Right. You know, so you're gonna have to do what you have to do. And you're gonna have to that's the thing about beautiful thing about preppers is they don't just pigeonhole down to one thing. They find other things to do other things with, you know, multiple use items. So yeah. I agree with you. I'm gonna try the shaving cream though, Grizz. I'm gonna give that a whirl yeah. this week. I'm gonna try it. It's a it's an old military trick. One of my buddies that was a ranger actually told me about that, and I tried it, and I'm like, oh, that actually works pretty well for what it is, you know. Yeah. So I'll yeah. I'll tell you what we're gonna we're gonna let it go right there because I think that's a great place to pick back up next week or alternative methods to cleaning your firearms like and it. what stuff you need to be stocking. I think right. we should, we'll do some research into that. Uh, over the week here, and we'll come back next week with that episode. That'll that'll be good. We'll pick that'll back be a up good for one. part three. I think the listeners like this, and I want to interject something to you, uh, Jester, or interject to something to our listeners. I know we talk about prepping and we talk about things like that on this platform, and that's that we do this every week, and that's great. Um, in the morning times, I'm doing the morning AM. It's Doomsday AM show, and I kind of have a little different turn on things. In the morning times, I talk about the news, but not the news that the mainstream media puts out to you, the news that maybe you don't hear everywhere. So for those who say we should be doing more or be doing something other, knowing what you're prepping for is one of the keys, too. 
because if you don't know why you're prepping and don't know what's going on in the world around you, you don't know why you you're prepping for it. So I would That's invite, right. right. I invite them to join me every, uh, every morning at five thirty central standard time, five thirty AM on right here on it's doomsday podcast, right here on Podbean, and listen in. We've had a lot of good folks in lately and we talk about the, the news that the mainstream media doesn't give you or the side of it they don't give you. And so I just welcome in in the morning times if they if they have the time to listen in. Because we'll get on those topics that you're not going to hear on CBS, ABC, CNN, Fox. Absolutely. Right. And on that note, we're going to wrap this up, guys. I, I was so happy we got some emails over from the last episode. So feel free to email again. It's doomsday2020 at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on TikTok and Clapper. You can find me on there at it's doomsday podcast 2.0. On TikTok and on Clapper at it's doomsday podcast. You can find Al on both platforms at big underscore daddy underscore prep. And then, hey, why not look for Grizz on there at G-R-I-Z-Z-7476 on the TikTok. And we're going to get him over to Clapper as well. Al, you got anything you want to add before we get out of here? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. All right. Well, we will catch you guys next week. We're going to come back. What, Cruz, you got something you want to say? Yeah. Okay. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Al. <laughs>